Don't you know that you so wrong, man? You're wrong and here's why. Chris and Greg don't see eye to eye like none of the time. Robert Covington sticks. I don't care what you think. How is LeBron James the king when he's ruining teams? You're wrong and here's why. Underdog Sports presents. You're wrong and here's why. Underdog Sports presents. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of You're Wrong and Here's Why. I'm Chris Howardell, joined by Greg Crone. Gregory, how's it going? Uh, Chris, I just woke up from my NFL coma that <laughs> I was in after this this weekend and the glorious return of NFL football. Well, bad news, it didn't go great. All right, well, listen, we're ignoring the fact that the Eagles blew a 17-point lead because football was back. That's mm-hmm. it. That's it. That's all I care about. Football's back. Every other sport in the city of Philadelphia is dead to me. Uh, I'm just going to be a sports fan, I think, for for now. Uh, so you, you're saying you just support, like, a football team, not any football team. Yes, exactly. I'm here to cheer. I'm cheering for sports and just sports in general. Well, good news for you is the uh, Washington football team finds themselves all alone in first place in the NFC East after one week. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was. It's it's that's actually the most like disappointing thing of the weekend, but also gives you some some sort of like shining light of hope. You know what I mean? It gives you it gives you like all right. So the season isn't completely over after week one, <laughs> just because we we we. Played an ab- dropped an absolute egg in the second half of that game because everyone else in the division clearly also stinks. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about clearly stinks. Dallas is going to be okay. Uh, honestly, I guess people are very all over the place on the offensive pass interference call that called on Michael Gallup late in the game on Jalen Ramsey. Where did you stand on it? Oh, I mean, Ramsey sold it. Sold it so bad. Um it, he, he, like, clearly just pulled that little, like, veteran move. You know what I mean? Just throw your hands up, throw your head back. It's it's like a Kyle Lowry move, just in, in NFL terms. I don't know. I, I did feel like there was some pushing off, though. I mean, there was a tiny bit, but, I mean, you, if you, if you just, like, the way it was overplayed, it was, it was a pure, pure veteran move, and you're going to get that call as a premier corner in the NFL. You just are. Well, let's talk about a question mark premier quarterback in the NFL who made his brand new debut with his new team. My God, my phone is ringing off the hook. And that is Tom Brady and those Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not exactly the outcome that the Bucs were hoping for this week. They drop a tough one to the Saints, uh, 34 to 23. Brady, oh man, two picks, you know, 239 yards passing, 63% completion percentage. And uh, you know Gronkowski, two catches for 11 yards. Mike Evans, one catch is uh, hobbled. Lashawn McCoy chips in a a catch. Uh, you know, like I said, Fournette, five carries, five yards. What do we make of this Bucks team after a week? It it was not a great debut for for uh, Tom Terrific yeah. in in Tampa Bay. Gronk looked super rusty, which. Uh, sort of seems to be expected. You know, you're talking about a guy who was out for a year. His body is different than the last time he actually played in the NFL, too. Yeah. Kind of have to take that into account. Uh, but he also just didn't. 
Tom just didn't look like he was on the same page as the rest of his teammates. He, he wasn't on the same page with the receivers. Uh, I don't know whether that's lack of practice or it's the fact that he's 40-plus years old and, and doesn't have the same reaction time. Uh, I think the lack of offensive line uh, really didn't help Tom. I think we saw that around the NFL, to be honest with you. A lot of teams with very suspect offensive lines not doing their QBs any favors. Um his honestly, man, like I, I know I've talked, I've talked a lot about how much I love the 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 Bucks this year, and I mm-hmm. think they're going to be good. I don't think this is the death knell for their season. I, I think it's it's not the best start, uh, but I think you're going to have to they're going to have to try to play a little bit better to, to to Tom's strengths. It was interesting to see Arians basically be like, oh yeah, all those interceptions that Tom threw, yeah, those are on him. They're not on really anybody else. Good, that's, that's on Tom. Yeah, and that's, you know, Tom Brady is 43 years old. He's a grown-up. He should be able to take criticism and especially justifiable criticism. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, I think you're right. You know, this is a team that people are jumping off the train a little too quick. The last two or three years, Tom Brady's taken a while to warm up, and I'm not going to make an old guy joke there. But he, <laughs> he has come along. I will say, I saw a couple of guys who appeared to be cooked this weekend, and Rob Gronkowski was one of them. Yeah, it it didn't look pretty for Gronk, man. And you, you kind of have to wonder. Like, I know the end of Gronk's run um, wasn't, you know, he wasn't as stellar uh, or, or anywhere no, near his peak. He was hurt. He was hurt. He was uh, hurt. Yeah, and, and like now it, it's sort of like a shell of himself. You have to hope that it can come back a little bit with more reps and, and kind of getting back into the flow of, of things as an NFL tight end, but – uh, things don't look promising uh, in the in the Rob Gronkowski Gronkowski stock market. Yeah, and it's crazy to me because when you know we see all these lists of the top tight ends in the NFL coming into the season, Gronk's like five. Oh, he, buddy, he he, he yeah. might not be a top fifty tight end in the NFL. Dude, he was he was taken so early in some of my fantasy drafts. Like he he's a guy I would have never touched in fantasy. It just. For a couple different reasons. One, he was he is a guy that gets hurt a lot, misses a lot of time um, normally. Mm-hmm. And two, you don't know what he looks like. I mean, he spent a year. He, the guy was the, the WWE 24/7 champion. <laughs> like, like that. That's how he spent his year of retirement. I, I don't really know what you what you want to do or what you can expect from him outside of you know, uh, like to predict him as a top ten or top even top, you know. 20 tight end is bizarre to me, unless you're really, really relying on the nostalgia factor uh, of Brady and Gronk and the connection and how special it was in New England. Um, I don't see it getting much better, though, unfortunately. No, he's the second best tight end on that team right now, and I, you know, I don't know that he's as close to one as he is to three. Yeah, I, you you might be right. I mean, O.J. Howard looked like uh, a new man with with Tom there, actually getting the ball uh, every once in a while. I mean, he didn't light up the stat sheet, but uh, he looked more productive than he had in the past few years mm-hmm. in Tampa. Yeah, I mean, you the stat line would would be like what uh, like sixty catches for six hundred and fifty yards and sixteen touchdowns. I think you take that from O.J. Howard. Oh, a thousand percent, <laughs> thousand percent. It, it, you know, he's been a guy that's underperformed, uh, or at least uh, no, underperformed not, is accurate. Yeah, I was gonna say didn't live up to the expectations for how highly touted he was coming out of Bama. I, you know, I, I, if they can get that production out of OJ Howard, that team's in pretty good shape. 
Yeah, they just have to get some production out of Mike Evans. Uh, you know, Chris Godwin played fine, six catches, whatever, but you know, there's no running game. There is not a strong passing game. Scotty Miller, the second leading receiver on the team, almost almost the leading uh, yards guy, only six behind Chris Godwin. Man, it's going to be interesting to watch them sort of coalesce into a team. What did you think of their opponents? You know, the, the Saints didn't have the strongest day either. I mean, Breeze, Breeze did not look great. No. He, he really didn't. Uh, he seemed to struggle with some stuff. I mean, they, they couldn't really get Michael Thomas involved, which is fine because Matt, Matt had him on his fantasy team that I was playing, so I was, I was happy to see Michael sure. Thomas not get involved. Um, it's... It's kind of tough. It's kind of tough to judge the Saints because I feel like they have so many tricks up their sleeve and with the way Peyton coaches, like if Breeze were to, to you know, potentially really show a lack of being able to get it done, which I think is coming sooner rather than later, unfortunately, uh, they do have that, that Taysom Hill and also that Jameis option. Yeah. Uh, so we can see what happens, but I wasn't overly impressed with the Saints' offense. I mean, Kamara actually got rolling, which is funny. I think he had, sort what, five, five TDs last year. He had at least two over the weekend, almost three. He did. Um, he did, but yeah. he got rolling in the passing game. The $17 million running back had 12 carries for 16 yards on the ground. Yeah, but that's, that's what made Kamara so special uh, when Mark Ingram was there. He didn't have to be the bruiser, the running back. Right. It's actually – right, sure, sure, but you can't pay him $17 million. No, and Mark I, Ingram's I not that. there anymore. Yeah, but Latavius Murray is, and he's a perfectly competent back yeah. who can fill that Mark Ingram role. I'm not saying that he's, he's Mark Ingram, but he can be that style of runner that you need to be able to mix it up on the ground. It's actually the thing that's annoy, it's going to annoy me all season about uh, the Chargers, not to completely change teams no, that good. we're talking about, but – um, the Chargers, and, and part of this is because of fantasy, but part of this is because just watching their game over the weekend, you can see how how they're not they're not clearly like processing what made Austin Eckler so special. Oh, last he, year. if you drafted him, you wasted a pick. It's because they're not using him the same way they did last year. Right, that is the problem, and it's he was so special because he would come in and he'd catch balls out of the backfield, and he was able to make players miss and uh, like being able to make those plays in the passing game. And now they're running him in between the tackles. And I know we had 85 yards rushing. It is what it is, mm-hmm. but that's that's not his game. You want to run the kid from UCLA up the middle and put him in the Melvin Gordon role mm-hmm. that that happened last year. That's perfectly fine. They have to. If Anthony Lynn wants to be successful and have that offense running uh, similar to the way it was last year, where it was constantly putting up points, and Eckler was sort of the star of the show, they have to go back to getting him the ball out of the backfield in a different manner. You can't. You can't just run him up the middle. It's like when it's like when the Eagles would do it with. Um, uh, now I can't think of his name. Um, oh, what era are we in? Recent. Recent. It's Brian Westbrook. No, he's similar, but no, we had a guy, we had a guy recently who we would try to always run up to, oh, Darren Sproles, that's who it is. Oh, yes. We'd hand Sproles that, the that ball. That Hall of like, Famer. We'd, yeah, we'd hand Sproles the ball in like third and one and have yeah. him try to go up the middle, and it's like, that's not his game. Sproles right. was so dynamic in San Diego and in New Orleans because he could get the ball out in space in the flat and make guys miss and, and be a burner. It's, it's, it's insane to me how some of these coaches think and scheme with the talent that they have. 
Well, Terod Taylor's never been a, a safety valve running back out of the backfield guy. 20 touches is probably about right, maybe a tiny bit high for Eckler, but the the mix of those touches has to change. It can't be 19 and 1. It's got to be, you know, 14 and 6. Yes, for four of my fantasy team's sake, it has to be oh, 14 and 6. You're in trouble, sir. <laughs> that that one target out of the backfield from uh, for Eckler last week. It just it seemed like there was just a fixation on Mike Williams from Terod Taylor. It was it was almost Odell to Odell and Baker esque in its inefficiency in a lot of ways, where it just seemed like Taylor just wanted to get Williams the ball every play, every play, every play. Well, I think I think especially being it's it, which is funny because Taylor's been so so many places and been that starter uh, in a few of them. I guess maybe he found a relationship early on in camp and in practices, and that's that's what he was most com- most comfortable throwing to those different routes that that Williams was on, and and that's what he was trying to rely on in a, in a close game. That's the only thing I can really think of. Uh, not the guy I would target um, if I was uh, the Chargers quarterback, but that's that's the only thing I can kind of think of. It's like it's like. Uh, when when Carson was so fixated on throwing the ball to Ertz uh, two years ago, where it felt like every play was going to him, whether he was open or not, uh, it's it's similar to that that sort of feel. So you watched that game. How first of all, when I didn't have the sound on because we had two TVs going, I didn't have the sound on. And when uh, Drew Tranquil went down, I thought it was Joey Bosa. <laughs> And I got real worried for Chargers fans, real happy for them that it was not Bosa, though you certainly don't want anybody to get hurt. I think they can uh, – Tranquil is more manageable than than losing Bosa. But what was your take on the debut of number one overall pick, Joe Burrow? I thought Burrow uh, – we talked about uh, Bosa and then I went into Burrow. Um, I, I looked I, – I thought Burrow uh, – Burrow, Gosh, I can't get him right now. I'm confused. Bosa, Burrow. Uh, I thought Burrow looked good. Uh, I think he calmed down as the game went on. Yeah. Um, and, and he got way more comfortable in there. Um, I think you know you can tell by that that the the first touchdown that he scored that draw play mm-hmm. that allowed him to get you know sort of take his time. He was able to to follow the lineman and not just kind of rush ahead and try to get up there. And that's what led to him being able to score. I thought his throws were on point. He had that rookie mistake towards the end of the game as they were driving down where he threw the interception on, like, the weird shovel pass. That's something that, in time, he'll stop doing. Like, that, you can't really – you kind of chalk that up to first game trying to be wow. a hero. Well, tell, tell, that maybe, to, tell that to the Cleveland Browns. I was, I was just going to say, <laughs> uh, tell, that to, tell that to a couple more teams and one in a city of, of brotherly love. Yeah. Tell them to that quarterback as well. But – uh, I also thought that he made a great play to AJ Green, and that's a tough offensive pass interference call that called back the game-winning touchdown. And then you talk about you talk about the the greatest fake injury of all time from Randy Bullock. <laughs> uh, I mean, that was an insane. I mean, like the delayed reaction to the injury. Yeah, it was a soccer injury. It. Missing it absolutely terribly. It does. It does actually make me think. Like, and I was thinking this after he kicked it when they were showing the replay. Do you think the empty stands behind the field goal posts mess with the kickers? Like uh, I feel I like no, because I mean they—that's how they kick in practice every single day. Right, but this isn't practice. This is the game, and there's like I don't know. To me, I feel like I feel like that's got to play in their head even more. Like there's just nobody there. It's time to make this kick. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Maybe so. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
Hey guys, I am so excited to say this, the wait is finally over, football is back. And while you might not be at the game this year, you can still be in on all of the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And right now, you can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, or championship futures right now. Head over to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Look, things didn't go exactly like I wanted for my Eagles last week as they didn't quite show up against the football team. But I am sure we're going to right the ship this week against the LA Rams. A lot of games I'm looking forward to. Who isn't excited to see Cam Newton and the Patriots against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks on Sunday night? To get in on all that action and so much more, visit our good friends and the exclusive partner of Podcast One, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure you use that promo code PODCAST1, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-O-N-E, for your sign-up bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Hey guys, Chris here to let you know that this week's episode of You're Wrong and Here's Why is brought to you in part by Art to Frames. I don't have to tell you guys that right now there's a giant emphasis on you know taking care of ourselves, taking care of the people we love, and making sure we all stay healthy. That's where Art to Frames comes in. They make high quality, super affordable face shields, and I've got to say, they were good enough to send a couple over to Greg and I, and I'm really, really impressed. First of all, it came packaged extremely well. Inside the box was the, the face shield came in a couple of pieces, along with very simple instructions for how to assemble it, along with showing off some of the other really cool products they have. This product line called Shield Picks by Art to Frames is made in America. It protects your eyes, it's lightweight, it's comfortable. Honestly, I forgot it was there after wearing it for just a little bit. And in this space, that is saying a lot. And can I tell you something? Personally, I like a company that stands by its products and Art to Frames has a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If there's any problem at all, you just let them know and they're gonna be happy to fix it as soon as possible. This is really a no-brainer, guys. Take care of yourself, take care of your family, and be a good citizen, and do so with shield picks from Art to Frames. Head over to their website today to check it out by going to arttoframe.com backslash sl backslash you're wrong, y-o-u-r-e-w-r-o-n-g. And you can find all of that information in our episode description as well. For only $9.99, you can buy the sort of peace of mind that you're keeping yourself and everyone around you safe, and that's an absolute bargain. Greg, I want to talk about my favorite game of this week, and we're back, by the way. The, mm, the, the Indianapolis Colts against the Jacksonville Jaguars, the biggest shocker to me. I thought this was going to be... You know, like, uh, basically a coronation-type game for Frank Reich, Philip Rivers, and, and the Colts, even though they do lose Marlon Mack early on. They have Jonathan Taylor just sitting in the wings waiting. But the story of this game was the continued strong play to basically make me look like an idiot, if nothing else, of Gardner Minshew. <laughs> Is Gardner Minshew the real deal? I don't know if he's the real deal, necessarily. 
Um, but he certainly brought that team back. I mean, that game that game was 14 nothing Indianapolis so mm-hmm. fast that I essentially chalked it up as a W uh, in multiple, you know, different things. I was like, all right, that game's over. We're good. We'll have, uh, we'll have the Colts are perfectly checked off. No worries there. And that, that just wasn't the case. I mean, the, you got to give it to the Jags for everybody, all the talk in the off season and, and all the talk about how they're going to tank. And we, we did the whole thing mm-hmm. tank for, tra- uh, tank for Trevor, um, lose for Lawrence, whatever you want to call it. It's all, it's Fail all for good. fields. Yeah. It's, we, they, they had the chance here. And and Gardner Minshew brought him back, brought him back pretty pretty convincingly too. I mean, he used the weapons that he had available to him. I know Chark had a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I can't think of the other guy's name. Cole, Keenan Cole, Keenan Cole and rookie Lavisca Chenault, but all had touchdowns. And in fact, Chenault dropped the fairly easy pass that would have made Minshew twenty for twenty. Yeah, I mean, they they look good. I mean, they're a good coach team. That's the one thing that you can always say about Doug Marone. Um, I guess. Well, when you see what he did in Buffalo and then eventually walked away from that situation, like he clearly can get teams to believe in what he what he's selling. Yeah, you know, they 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 went to a conference championship a few years ago with Blake Bortles. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And not to take anything away from Bortles, he's not the best quarterback in the world, but um, that that team, you know. They yeah, got there based off coaching and defense. Yeah. Coaching and defense was the key there. And, and you know, Minshew is going to Minshew, I guess. He, he's a pass-happy guy. He came from a pass-happy offense in college. He can make the throws, I guess. They certainly can against the Colts' defense. Well, they actually ran the ball more than they threw at 23 carries to 20 passing attempts. Sort of a, a low-key offensive game, but very efficient offensive game for the Jaguars. I'll tell you what, man. This this ownership group was basically just like, all right, guys, we know you like Gardner Minshew. We're going to give you another year. Enjoy it. Have fun. You know, the team's not going to be good, but enjoy Gardner Minshew. Minshew's going to fuck around and knock them out of that spot to draft a quarterback. The guy, the guy's a gamer, man. They're going to end up with like the eighth pick overall, and it's going to be a shame. I think they're picking 23 as of right now. I mean, listen, if everything was over in week one, I'd probably be a happier guy. No, you wouldn't, because I looked at the <laughs> I looked at the uh, the mock draft on Tankathon, and be, based on strength of schedule, the number one pick right now would go to the Dallas Cowboys. Ah, no thank you. Yeah, that's going to be a hard pass for me, sir. But, uh, yeah, this is... <laughs> This team was fun. They just and it just goes to show like people talk about oh the Jaguars are tanking, Jaguars are tanking. Front offices may set teams up to quote unquote tank. The guys on the field are trying to win every game. This is their livelihood. The players are not tanking. Yeah, that's that's the in football it's so much different I think than uh than basketball. Like it's because it's a physical sport where you can get hurt on really any play, mm-hmm. um, you're not going to go out there and give 50% because you're just leaving yourself out there to get injured. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I, I don't think I, I don't think the, the players on the field really care about whether the front office is trying to tank or not. Of course uh, not. I think, it, I think it's a little bit different in that situation. Well, and, and also, like, football is a world of non-guaranteed contracts. These guys are mm-hmm. trying to make a living. They're not out there, you know, no, I guarantee you nobody on the Jaguars was out there thinking, man, I can't wait till we have Trevor Lawrence next year. Who cares what happens this year? 
<laughs> right. Well, the problem would be half those guys may not even be there, and that's that's where tanking's even harder, like you said. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Minshew's like, ah, oh, it's I. I can't wait to be a backup next year. That's going to be fun. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, it's a crazy situation. By the way, I meant to mention this earlier when we were talking about Brady and the Bucks. Brady entered a incredible group with his play on uh, his play this past weekend. With it's his third consecutive game with a pick six, and that uh, that puts him in company with Matt Schaub and Blaine Gabbert for the NFL record. I mean, that's. Not a list I expected Tom Brady to really ever be on. His be teammates, honest. Blaine Gabbert, by yeah. the way. <laughs> His backup. That's right. Yeah. And Matt Schaub, Matt Schaub, I'm, surprised, I'm amazed Matt Schaub didn't throw more in a row. Because there was that one season where he threw, like, it felt like every week he was throwing a pick six. Well, how, about, so that's, how about Jameis that's last fun. year? That's actually, yeah, what are we talking about here? That's almost incredible that he's not on that list. Yeah, Jameis threw 30 last year. <laughs> How many of those went back for touchdowns? Wasn't it like six or eight? It was something I don't have, relatively high. I don't have that I, number, but it did seem like he was outstanding at throwing pick sixes. I mean, he ended his season on it. Pick he number did. 30. Yeah. Pick number 30 was a, a, a walk-off pick six in overtime. <laughs> Just an un, you couldn't script that. Oh, man. it's what a, what a bizarre stat line. Maybe the craziest stat line I've ever seen. The 30-30 season in football, you just never thought you would ever see that. No, you couldn't imagine it. You couldn't imagine that there would be a QB who could could possibly have 30 successful touchdown passes along with also turning the ball over through the air 30 times. My goodness. Well, How I many like, times they, you'd have to th- they'd have to throw the ball a thousand times? To, for, to get 30 picks? Exactly. For a normal quarterback, yes. For Jameis, you need to throw the ball 38 times. <laughs> Ah, oh, that's great. My goodness. Um, I want to talk a little basketball before we get out of here. Sure. We're, we've got a, a really fun Game 7 that's going to kick off in a couple of minutes. But Game 1 of the uh, the Eastern Conference semifinals? Finals. Eastern Conference yeah, finals. finals. Yeah, I felt good about that when I was saying it. And then I double... <laughs> I, uh, double clutched. Yeah, I did. Like a Markel Fultz free throw. Oh, man. But I wish he was on the team. Anyway, the Celtics lead 101-95 over the Heat. Let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about this Nuggets Clippers game. This is really interesting. I was looking at the, I was looking at the odds, and we'll talk about stuff like that later. But the Clippers are at plus two seventy five to win the championship. The Nuggets are a plus sixteen hundred. Like I love that Nuggets team at plus sixteen. If you're one of five teams left and you can get plus sixteen hundred odds to win the championship of one of five teams, man, I'll take that. They're unbelievably resilient. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a team that already came back from a 3-1 deficit once, and now we're looking to potentially do it again. Like, this is this is sort of historic. And, and they all seem to be on the same page, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even when they're, they're down, they don't necessarily panic. You're talking about two big second-half comebacks in the last two games when they could have just folded up shop, said, listen, we're leaving the bubble, we're, we're going to go home, we're going to go back to our families. But no, they clawed back, they fought back each time, and the Clippers have just sort of wilted. Now, having said that, I, I, I believe the, the Clippers are going to absolutely roll tonight. Um, it just, I, I feel like this is that perfect setup. Remember when the Mavs, the Mavs won that overtime game, and Luka hit like the 7,000-foot mm-hmm. three-pointer? And the next game, the Clippers scored like 160 points and just absolutely blew the doors off the Mavs. 
I feel like I feel like that's the game that's potentially coming here. I'm not saying they're going to score 160, but I think they're going to really clamp up on defense, and we could see like you know a 180 82 game to close this out. Or it's going to be uh, it's going to be like that Jazz Nuggets game in the last round where it's like 82 to 80 for somehow. <laughs> it it could be that, and then hope. Except this time, Kawhi hits that shot that Mike Conley missed. No, no, no Kawhi. I've had enough of Kawhi making game winners for a lifetime. Mm. I, I want to see. I want to see Gary Harris knock one down in the corner to advance the Nuggets to the Western Conference Championship. Listen, it would be it would be amazing to see the Clippers get knocked out after all the shenanigans they pulled. Uh, well, not really shenanigans. Yeah, what shenanigans? Trades. The trades and getting Paul George and setting everything up and and now we're a super team yada 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 uh, and that, that that all to fold and not even make the conference final that would be great it really would be it, of course it kind of robs us of what we really want as NBA fans I mean you want the Clippers Lakers that's the series you want to see it's what we've talked about all year uh, and 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 it just it would actually almost be like perfect for it not to deliver. Uh, and not be what we get in the in the Western Conference Final. Well, maybe that's the best possible outcome, but really, I would have preferred a Rockets-Nuggets Finals just because screw the L.A. teams. Sure, sure, you can definitely have that attitude. I, I, don't, I don't blame you. I mean, I'm tired of Los Angeles teams being in championships uh, in all sports, let alone just basketball. So uh, I'd be fully down uh, for, for neither to make it, but unfortunately... The Lakers have already punched that ticket, and yeah. uh, I have a good feeling the Clippers are going to punch theirs tonight. My problem, yeah, my problem is that this Lakers-Clippers game feels like what we expected the Chiefs-Ravens game to be in the IFC Championship last year. Granted, we didn't end up getting that, but nope. it's it's sort of the de facto championship. These are the two best teams in basketball, and anything after this is just kind of another series. Yeah, I do. I, I do think the Celtics can give both teams a run. I don't think they can beat them, um, which is also severely discounting the Heat. I, I mean, I watched probably the first. I probably watched the second and third quarter of that game prior to hopping on here between putting kids to bed and then and then getting on with you. Um, so I don't really know where that game stands. I know the Celtics kind of pulled away. One hundred one ninety eight. Three minutes left. Celtics up. Yeah. Okay, so the Heat, the Heat are coming back, uh, and have made that a, made that a contest. So, I mean, honestly, if if the Heat beat the Celtics, I could see them giving a series. I could honestly see either team in the East giving these teams in the West a series. I don't think the Lakers are as good as we've we've you know kind of made them out to be. Sure, do they have AD? Sure, do they have LeBron? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their supporting cast leaves a lot to be desired. I'm not. I'm not. I haven't been overly impressed with what I've seen out of them. Um, and the Clippers, the Clippers feel like on any given night they could be absolutely, you know, horrendous. Yeah. So, I, I, like, I, and obviously plus sixteen hundred the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, but I, I, I think I think this is a little bit less of that feel where like oh whatever happens whoever gets to the finals is just going to be a route for the Western Conference. I don't think that's I don't think that's how it's going to play out or at least I hope it's not how it plays out. The bubble the bubble feels like it needs to come to an end with like a, a classic game 7 you know NBA finals feel. I don't uh, I don't anticipate that happening. I don't either, but I I would like it to. A I'm hoping for a competitive game 4 before the series ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But 
I don't know, man. Last thing I want to hit on is uh, is Mike D'Antoni. It's all but locked that he's going to be the next head coach of the Indiana Pacers. Yet, apparently he's still going to interview with Philadelphia, as is Billy Donovan. Why are we going through with this charade? Because that's what, that's what coaching hires are. That's what all coaching searches are. You have to interview a bunch of people like that you that you know don't fit. Like Mike D'Antoni, we, we talked about it via text message a couple days ago. Yeah. We know that he doesn't fit. His scheme doesn't fit with this roster. Greg, I would think still about, probably take him. He would still probably be my number one choice, honestly. Sure, but think about, think about his rosters in, in the years in Phoenix when they were a top-tier Western Conference team. Think about his, his teams in the last couple of years with the Rockets. Joel can we play the Amari that. role. That's, I can live with that. We don't have the talent around him to do it, so it's not going to matter. Well, there is and, that. And, and Joel, Joel doesn't have the, the body type or is not in good enough shape to play that type of style basketball. It just doesn't happen. The quick possessions, it's, it doesn't work. I keep hearing that he's lost a bunch of weight. Sure. Did you sure. did you notice any difference in his body when the bubble started? No, no, me neither. He looks exactly the same. Yeah. He's looked the same since he was in since he was at Kansas. Well, that's certainly not true. That, I'm going to say it anyway. Sir, that's just <laughs> that's one of the dumber things you've said on this show because like he was a beanpole. Then he he sat out those two years, put on what looked like a hundred pounds. <laughs> And was just a completely different person. We forget how athletic a rookie Joel Embiid was. No, yeah, I mean he definitely he definitely moved around a lot differently then. Um, it's I don't know, man. I, I'm still so frustrated with the way the Sixers, the whole the whole way this season went, how it ended. Uh, I mean, even though you knew it was over once Simmons got hurt, mm-hmm. it's just it's still it, it's still a hard pill to swallow with the expectations this team has had around it the last few years. Yeah, Richardson and Horford proved to be really bad fits. Both guys who need the ball to uh, to be productive, not made to be just standing around in fourth and fifth options on an offense. We'll see. You know, we'll we'll see what happens. Changes have to be made. Just hope they are. But that's something for us to worry about another time. Until then, uh, that's been this week's episode of You're Wrong, and here's why. For Greg Crone, Chris Horwoodell, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.